Welcome to the Two Journeys podcast. This is part two of episode 34 in the book of John, entitled Grief, Then Joy, where we discuss John chapter 16, verses 16 through 33. I'm Wes Treadway, and I'm here with Pastor Andy Davis. Andy, what are we going to see in these verses today? Well, to me, the final verse of this section is so sweet. Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Mm. And so we're going to talk about grief that turns to joy. Now, our grief and our suffering and struggle in this world um, is is common. It's something that uh, everyone experiences. Could be medical issues, could be the death of loved ones, could be uh, financial issues. And the disciples face those kinds of things too, but they had an additional grief and sorrow. They had to see Jesus, whom they loved, who they interacted with intimately, mm. taken from them that very night and accused convicted and executed in the most horrible way. That is the grief Jesus is addressing here directly. You are going to have a grief or sorrow such as you have never had in your life, but then you're going to rejoice in some ways that you have, couldn't even imagine. And so they really represent all of us to some degree as we are tied to the person of Jesus, mm. his suffering, his death, and then his resurrection and the sorrow and joy that connects with that. Mm. Well, I'm looking forward to our conversation, and so that we can have a sense of the arc of this passage, I'm going to read verses 16 through 33. A little while, and you will see me no longer, and again a little while, and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, What is this that he says to us? A little while, and you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me, and because I am going to the Father. So they were saying, What does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he is talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, Is this what you are asking yourselves? What I meant by saying, A little while, and you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, Ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. 
Verses 23 and 4 talk about our future relationship with the Father, but they also talk about the relationship between our prayers and our joy in verse 24. Can you talk a little bit about that, what we see in these two verses here? Yeah, so what Jesus is saying is, um, you are very familiar with me. You're used to seeing me. You ask me for explanations. You ask me for healing. You ask me for bread. You ask me to still the storm. You wake me up in the boat and say, don't you care that we're drowning? But in the middle of all that, did you not think of the Father? Hmm. Father never slumbers or sleeps. And so I came to bring you to the Father. And as a matter of fact, John 14, 6 that we already studied, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm bringing you to the Father. I, he's very Father-centered. And he's saying, you know, you keep asking me for things. I came to bring you to the Father. Ask him. Hmm. Ask him for everything. And that's that, that beautiful, in effect, Jesus, the mediator saying, oh sinner, I want to introduce you to the best friend you could ever have, the Father. Hmm. I want you to know him. I want you to know God. I'm here to reconcile you to God and God to you. And that's his mediator role. He's here to bring us to the Father so that we see, oh, that's what we have. And it's like, well, I, I don't care that much about the Father. I want Jesus. Like, no, don't be that way. I'm here to bring you to the Father. Mm. So beautiful. So you've not, you've not asked the Father for anything. Ask him. Ask him for anything that would come in your mind and he will give it to you. Yeah, and it seems that even that relationship there, that's the, that's the fruit or the fountain of the joy, right? Is being able to have that kind of interaction and relationship with the Father. Yeah, let's talk more about this asking because it's all about prayer. And, mm -hmm. you know, we said just a few minutes ago in staff meeting, there's just so many biblical inducements and promises and, and all of that toward prayer. Mm. And here's yet more. And, and I think it's just interesting. I go back to earlier in John's gospel with the Samaritan woman, remember? Mm -hmm. uh, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who's speaking to you right now, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Mm. Remember what I said at that time, it's like the better you know Jesus, the more you ask him for things. Well, Jesus is effectively saying that about the Father. The better you know the Father, mm. the more you'll ask him for things. He can do anything. And so ask and you will receive. And when you do, your joy will be complete. It'll be better than just getting the thing without having asked. This is a weird thing in my Christian life. Number of times I've received blessings that I know I should have prayed for but didn't, but got the blessing without prayer and I'm disappointed. I'm, I wish I'd prayed for it. Mm. You know, and yeah. here's the thing, God does bless us without us praying, but our joy is more complete if we ask for it first. Hmm. That's a neat image. I don't think I thought of that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so throughout this passage and in others, Jesus has used figurative language. So this mm -hmm. isn't new, right? It's not yeah. something that uh, is unique to chapter 16 yeah. in the book of John. How and why had Jesus been speaking figuratively mm -hmm. uh, with his disciples. And is there is there a connection there with how Jesus talks about future conversation or interaction with the Father in verses 25 and 26? Yeah, this again is gonna be pretty important for the book that I'm writing on heaven and especially that theme where in heaven we get the full explanation. Mm. So everything gets better in heaven, including our level of understanding. And so right now, Jesus speaks in figurative language because that's what we need. It's best for us to get the get it in parables. It's best for us to get figurative language because we can't handle more than that. And so like he says um, in the, the, the most famous figure of all, you must be born again. Jesus says to Nicodemus, I've spoken to you in earthly language and you do not believe. How then if I speak in heavenly language? So there is a higher, better language but we can't handle it yet. We can't even understand it. So he's gonna use these earthly metaphors, mm. like in both cases, birth. 
all right, this, this birth line, uh, metaphor here. But he says, I have fuller, better things to say to you. It's similar to the end of 1 Corinthians 13. Now we see through a glass darkly, then face to face. Now we know in part, then we'll know fully. So Jesus has in mind a full, complete communication from the mind and the being of the Father to us, his children. That's going to be perfect mm-hmm. in heaven. In the meantime, we get figurative language because that's what we can understand and it's best for us. Now it's different than the parables that were spoken to the outsiders, the unregenerate. They get it as an act of judgment. They get basically gibberish that they mock. Because remember they said Jesus had a demon when he spoke in figurative language. The outsiders mock it and don't understand it and so it's a way of excluding them that they would be ever hearing but never understanding, ever seeing but never perceiving. For us, the figurative language actually makes things clearer, but it's still less than the heavenly language that we'll get when we get to heaven. Hmm. In verse 27, the passage continues on, and Jesus says, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. Mm -hmm. Why is it so important to believe that Jesus came from the Father? And how does verse 28 answer the initial question of verses 17 and 18? Yeah, I think it goes back to what I said a moment ago. The entire reason for the incarnation, according to Jesus here, the big picture reason was to bring us rebels back to God, Mm. back to God, God the Father. And uh, the Father sent the Son into the world to bring us back to him. And so I've said this before that sin has had a the effect on the universe of a fragmentation grenade. Mm. You can imagine everything together all in one package and then it blows up Mm. and it all goes off in a million directions, shards everywhere. And reconciliation is a reversal of that and a bringing back of all things together, making them one. Mm. And then God the Father is the center of everything. So Jesus has come to bring us to the Father. He says, "He says the Father himself loves you. Mm. He cherishes you. And he says he loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I think that that's mostly therapeutic language. That is evidence that you're saved. The, the reason I know the Father loves you is because of how you think of me, Jesus is saying. Um, The evidence of the Father's love for you, the electing love for the Father, is that he gives you, through the Holy Spirit, the right attitude and disposition toward Jesus. Mm -hmm. So fundamentally, the Spirit that's sent out into the world is the Spirit of Christ to make us believe the right things about Jesus, that he came from the Father, that he actually is the perfect image of the invisible God, that he is the, the eternal second person of the Trinity. We believe the right things about Jesus. We love him and cherish him. Therefore, we know the Father loves us because of all those reasons. And when he says, I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I'm leaving the world and going to the Father, mm-hmm. what's he talking about here, and why is that also important? Just in relation to that belief that they now have, they're understanding more. What is what is he trying to drive home? Right, so he is giving them uh, the Father-centered aspect of his entire mission. The reason I came mm. here is to bring you to the Father. So I want you, my disciples, mm. to think well of the Father, to not be afraid of him not be terrified of him, know that he loves you, that he cherishes you. He could not have a stronger love for you than he does. He intimately loves you. And so that's his reason. But then I think about Jesus just as a man, as a person. I get to leave this world and go be with the Father. What could be better than that? And and so he's about to pray the high priestly prayer in John 17. Mm -hmm. We're about to get there. Mm -hmm. But, But he's like, I can't 
wait to go back and be with the Father because Psalm 16, in his presence is the fullness of joy. I just am going, I'm going to leave the world and go back to the Father. Yeah. I love the disciples' response in verse 29. His disciples say, ah, now oh, you're speaking plainly. It. Oh, okay. Yeah, right, right. Not using figurative <laughs> speech. Ah, we got it. Great. Now we're on board. Yeah. And now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Now, verse 31 is interesting because uh, it can be translated two ways, sure. right? It can be translated, you believe at last mm -hmm. or do you now believe? Mm -hmm. What's the difference between those two and which of the two do you think is more likely here? I don't know. <laughs> okay. All if right. you look at the next verse, <laughs> sure. he's like, oh, you believe it last, but you're about to be scattered. That seems to go like, I don't really think you believe. So that would tend toward the, do you really believe? Mm. And, and the, do you really believe angle is similar to Jesus after telling one parable. He says, but when the son of man returns, will he find faith on the earth? So that's one of those rebuking, correcting aspects where it's like, if you really believe, then X will be true. Um, where to some degree, you're not, I don't want to say doubting your faith, but if your faith is genuine, you're going to stand up in the face of persecution. But look what is about to happen to you. You're going to leave me and be scattered to your mm. home. And Jesus said, he who stands firm to the end will be saved. So he's giving a warning to some degree about that, and he, but he does it in other places. So it could be, do you really believe? Because you're about to be scattered and you're going to leave me all alone. Or it could be, this is actually evidence of what of what I've been saying. You you do believe. This is what he just said. The Father loves you because you do believe. So if you look back um, at Jesus' statement, <clears throat> verse 27, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. Mm. So Jesus gives his own assent to the fact that they actually genuinely do believe. But we know that belief, if it's the eyesight of the soul, there's more clearly you could see and there's more you could see. So faith can grow. So I'm gonna take a dynamic view here. It's like you believe, but not enough. Hmm. And you need to believe more. And you're gonna go through some pretty tough things over the next number of days and years. And when you get done, your faith will be much stronger than it is now. And then someday you'll trade it in for sight. So I think that's, I'm gonna kind of punt on which of the two it is. I think they have a genuine faith. He already said that in verse 27. But their faith is ill-defined, it's, it's, it's incomplete, it needs to get developed. And we know that the testing of our faith develops perseverance, and they're going to go through some serious tests. Mm. And you think about Jesus' uh, human nature, and you think about uh, even the emotions that he's displayed elsewhere in the book of John. And here, as he talks about them leaving him alone, it seems like there must have been some mm -hmm. sense of, this is, this is not going to be a good thing for you to, to be scattered when you see these things approaching. Right. But I think there's also helpful things for us here and encouraging things for us as we face trials. I think about also in 2 Timothy 4, in verses 16 through 18, where Paul talks about basically standing alone on trial, except that God was with him, yeah. that he wasn't really alone. How Amen. should Jesus' statement and Paul's statement encourage yeah. us as we face the trials that are promised? Yeah, it's normal to fear death. I mean, that's, that's normal. Peter fear death, etc. But this is what I think. Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. It would be best for us if our love just kept developing and getting stronger and stronger and stronger. Mm -hmm. So that the greatest love Peter ever had for Jesus was at the very end of his life. At the end of his sanctification, he died for Jesus. He died for the kingdom. He died as a martyr. Mm -hmm. And so that's a goal. Um, it's not always true. We look from at the account of the kings in the Old Testament. Some start well and finish badly. Some start badly and finish well. Some start badly and finish badly. Some start well and finish well. I want to start my Christian life well and finish better. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I want to just keep growing. So the idea is the suffering and the sorrow is temporary. There's a persecution and we need to grow in our faith. But all of these things tend toward the glory of God and toward his name. So it gives us encouragement in suffering, knowing that God himself will be with us through all those trials as he was with Jesus. Mm. Now, verse 33 seems to sum up well this whole section Mm -hmm. on persecution. It may be a great place to root some final thoughts on this passage, Mm -hmm. uh, but particularly verse 33. Okay, so I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. So combination, the things he's told us and our position in him, both are important. Read these verses. Mm. They will encourage you. John 14 through 16 gives some of the strongest, most powerful verses to help us do well in this present age. Mm. So I have spoken these words to you so that in me you may have peace. So first, be in Jesus. Believe in him as your Lord and Savior. Second of all, meditate on his words. Let his words abide in you, as he said in John 15. And if so, in him you will have peace. In this world, you're going to be surrounded with trouble persecution, sorrow, sufferings, those common to all people, those unique to Christians, both of them will bear down on you. Mm -hmm. So in this world, I'm telling you, you're going to have trouble. But take heart, that means be encouraged. Don't get depressed, don't get discouraged. Then I love this statement, what a Mm -hmm. great way to end. I have overcome the world. He's our conqueror, Mm -hmm. he's our champion that went out from Zion to fight Satan and the foes, uh, the demonic foes. He went out by himself and won. I have overcome the world. Isn't that awesome? So we stand in that victory that Jesus won over the world. Well, thanks, Andy. This has been part two of episode 34 in the book of John. We'd invite you to join us next time for episode 35 entitled Jesus High Priestly Prayer, where we'll discuss John chapter 17, verses 1 through 12. Thank you for listening to the Two Journeys podcast, and may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Thank you for listening to this resource from twojourneys.org. Feel free to use and share this content to spread the knowledge of God and build His kingdom. Only we ask that you do so for non-commercial purposes and in accordance with the copyright policy found at twojourneys.org. Two Journeys exists to help Christians make progress in the two journeys of the Christian life, the internal journey of sanctification, and the external journey of gospel advancement. We do this by exporting biblical teaching for the good of Christ's church and for the glory of God.